always locked on heat. Biscayne, South Beach. Goldberg and Ramil. Talking heat, body chill. Got the stats in the news. Got the facts in the views. Never know what they gon' say. Mailbag on a Monday. Pat Rouse got the pack round. Coach Spoke got the know how. Three bands in the raps now. Heat Nation, that's a packed house. Heat talk at the game time. Heat talk every day. I'm always locked on heat. Got it locked on heat. Always locked on heat. Keep it locked on heat. Seat geek for the cheek. What's the day got the heat? Locked on heat hopes. West Goldberg and David Ramil. That music means it's Free Talk Friday. Welcome to Locked On Heat. This is our last show before 2018. So first, before we start, we just want to thank everyone who jumped on board and supported the show this year. We're really excited about what we have in store for next year. It struck me that we've been recording a, a variation of our podcast for several years now obviously and and you know we still learn something new from our fans every day and we appreciate so much of what they do and what they offer to the show they've been so great at providing feedback and and this is just a great opportunity for us to connect with our listening base here and, and just to talk about our favorite basketball team so this is a, a, our last show but also the start of something wonderful next year absolutely and look in the spirit of new year's we're going to assign resolutions for each of the Heat's rotation players, that's what we're going to do on today's episode. David and I, we split the roster, so we're going to take turns and discuss each of them. But first, we have a little history about New Year's resolutions, courtesy of Professor Ramil. Yeah, and we can't. Nobody can say that we can't do our best to teach our listeners anything. And <laughs> in this case, it's just a little history. So, the ancient Babylonians are believed to be the first people to make New Year's resolutions. You want to take a stab at when they might have actually begun that practice? 450 BC. Oh, a little further than that. 4,000 years ago. Oh, that's what I meant. 4,000 4, years ago, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, it was it was yeah. right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, strangely enough, their new year actually began in March when they would lay new crops down after a bleak winter. So resolutions were seen kind of as an offering to the gods, a way of cleaning the slate for last year's misdeeds in exchange for a bumper crop during the upcoming year. But then the calendar was changed by the ancient Romans under the leadership of Julius Caesar. The god Janus, for whom January is actually named, was a two-faced god. So the month was symbolically believed to be an opportunity to look both backwards and forward. The practice continued as Christianity established itself, a perfect match considering its built-in period of reflection and resolving to do better while rarely doing so. Sadly, while as many as 45% of Americans go through the practice of making resolutions, only about 8% actually make good on them. Not good odds for the Miami Heat, but a fun exercise nonetheless. Well, we hope it's more than 8% for this Heat team. I mean, we, we meticulously went through this roster. We decided what this team, each player needs to improve on or whatever they need to resolve for next year. And, I, and maybe, you know, maybe they're going to listen to us. So we might as well just start with our first one here. And that's going to be Goran Dragic. And All right, let me so, hear so Goran Dragic was he I, I was assigned Goran Dragic and what I had for his resolution was to attack the basket more effectively. Uh, Dragic in 2016-2017 averaged 17 points so last season, averaged 17.7 drives per game. That was second only behind Russell Westbrook, and he made 47.5% of those field goals. 
This season, he's driving only 14.6 times per game and making only 41.9% of his field goals. So a substantial drop-off. I mean, he's still within like the top 15 in the league in drives per game, but that percentage has dropped almost uh, six points. So why has the decrease come in production? I actually went back, David, and looked through several of his layups and drives uh, this season and then went back to last year and looked at a lot of his uh, layups and drives from last season just to see what he was doing differently. And one of the things that he's always been, he's always avoided contact, right? And I don't mean that in a bad way. He's just, he's crafty. He tries to just get clean shots near the rim. You know, he's got that little left-handed scoop. He, you know, he, he, he likes to use that put pivot foot, the cold shoulder, as we've talked about a lot. Uh, but he tries to avoid contact, it seems, a lot. Uh, so that's why he's not getting all the foul calls. But he just that that's a, that's been a consistent thing. The difference was is right now he just looks slower. I mean, I went back and watched all of these layups, like dozens of layups from last season and this season. He just looks slower, and he, you know, when he gets a when he gets a screen, he, it it means he gets less separation when he's coming from around that screen, gets less space to attack the basket uh, and get off a clean shot. And I think that's really what the difference is is. Between last year, I don't know if it's fatigue due to his summer um, uh, part- participating in the Euro Cup or the Eurobasket tournament, or if there's an injury that's kind of nagging him, or if it's just old age or just you know one year older. But he looks substantially slower. Um, but as far as his resolution, try to figure that out and just maybe get into better shape or whatever it might be and attack the basket more effectively. Yeah, I mean, that's a, an interesting one because I, I think we both seemed positive at the start of the year that, you know, being an NBA professional, he was going to do some kind of work during the offseason, whether it was participating in Eurobasket or, or staying home and, and playing pickup games or working out or doing something. And and so our, our assumption was that he was going to go through a lot of work anyway, so it wasn't necessarily going to provide a lot of wear and tear. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Look, he, he's playing through injury probably uh, he doesn't seem at 100 percent. he's obviously got that tape on his elbow he has the sleeve on there before um and he just hasn't looked as sharp so i'm just worried whether or not at some point he might just completely break down towards the second half of the season so um i, I don't know I, to, in order to tie in both maybe you know staying healthy and also being able to drive more of the basket it might be better for spools or just to shut him down for a week or two maybe yeah. probably Higher to the all-star break, see if we can get him for the last you know two months of the season in that full strength. So something to keep an eye on out there. And this might, you know, this this fatigue or whatever it might be, might be the reason why we've seen the ball in Dragic's hands less this year than last year. Uh-huh. Why he gets so much time, he gets so much rest in the first quarter. Um, and all he just is, he looks physically like not that it's the 35th game of the year, but more like it's the, you know, the 75th game of the year. I mean, that's what he looks like. He just looks tired. And um, I don't know what the solution is for that. I don't know if it's a matter of getting into better playing shape, but it seems hardly, it doesn't seem likely. It seems like he would have been in playing shape from the Eurobasket tournament. So maybe it is just, maybe it is, there's a fear of maybe him breaking down. And uh, and that's something that the Heat are going to have to take care of. Um, what was your so who who do you want to go with next for your resolution? Uh, I'm starting off with uh, like all things here, Dion Waiters, and uh, my New Year's resolution is a little bit more vague, but uh, it's remember where you come from. 
And and for me, the way I looked at it was, look, clearly Dion is not the Dion that we expected him to be this season. It's it's been a recurring theme for us that so we expected a lot from him. He hasn't lived up to those expectations. Maybe that's on us. But I think there's also a little bit of entitlement that's come with him this year. You know, for the first time in his NBA career, he's secure. Uh, he's financially secure. He's got the four-year deal. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Uh, and while he's always said it's never been about that, my concern is that he's a little too comfortable with himself. Um, and, and I think he needs to remember where he came from. I think he needs to remember growing up on those terrible Philly streets You know that, that helped shape him where nothing was promised. Nothing was delivered. Everything had to be hard earned. And he needs to go back to that same approach because even though he's got that contract, he needs to go into 2018 with a fresh attitude. And for that, in order for the Heat to win. And I've seen some body language that I don't particularly care for from Dion, things I didn't necessarily see last year. Like, I don't know how accurate this is, not being as plugged into the team as other reporters are. But I, I feel like there's a tension between him maybe uh, with Goran, possibly with Tyler Johnson, other ball handlers, other shot creators, because they take the ball away from Dion. And I think Dion was expecting to have, have the ball in his hands more than he did last season. And so I think there's a little bit of resentment there. And I think he just needs to understand that rather than trying to do too much, it's about taking what you have and making the most of it. And that all comes from, in my opinion, kind of remembering your roots and what brought you to this point in the first place. Like last year for him was really such a, a great last opportunity of redemption at proving himself. And I think that's what really buoyed him and carried him throughout the season was knowing this might be my last best shot at trying to prove who I am as a player. You know, while we always joke about the the overconfidence and everything else, there's a reality there that, that maybe he might have faced a, a potential exit from the league. I mean, it wasn't so long ago we were talking about the possibility of – Derek Williams resurrecting his career in Miami, that didn't work out. Uh, and, and so Dion, conversely, was able to make the most of that opportunity. And I think, think he's kind of forgotten that. With the comfort of a new child on the way, with the comfort of a new contract to kind of make sure that everything's going to be safe and secure, kind of taking the edge off him a little bit. He needs to get back out there. We need to see some more of that Philly Chief swag, bro. That's what I'm talking about. You know, he needs to go out there and, and, and play the way that we, you know, what helped to fall in love with Dion's game in the first place, and I haven't seen that from him this year. You know, I was kind of going through Dion Waiters' numbers uh, and just those kind of advanced tracking stats and stuff, uh, trying to figure out why he hasn't been as effective. He's taking as many shots at the rim as usual. He's ta- he's not taking a bunch of mid-range shots. He's taking more threes than he did last year, but that's a good thing because he's a capable three-point shooter. Um, there's really... He's driving at about the same rate. There's really not much as far as the numbers go that's different than from Dion Waiters. And when you're saying that his resolution should be more of an attitude adjustment, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, that seems extremely likely, given Dion Waiters' reputation in the league, what, you know, why he's kind of gone from team to team to team, and what it, the concerns were even when the Heat re-signed him to this big contract. That all kind of, you know jives with what what has been Waiters' M.O. throughout his career. And so maybe it is just an attitude thing. Maybe it is just the, the sense of entitlement that he has. Uh, but really, he, like he's shooting below 40% from the field this year um, yeah. overall. The shots just aren't going in. I don't know why that is. 
Uh, but he need maybe it is just an attitude adjustment that he needs. Maybe he just needs a little bit more Philly cheese. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's an interesting resolution for him. So I hope he he hears you. Um, my resolu- my next player and his resolution is going to be Hassan Whiteside. And I think this is pretty. Uh, look, there's a lot of things that could have gone with this. Um, I could have. I, I no, almost before you go ahead. on in the resolution there. Have you seen the picture circulating from Ira Winterman's tweet? No, what? You haven't seen a picture? Like, like he posted some story, I want to say, about Hassan having to develop into more of a playmaker, kind of pass the ball, something that we've been advocating for quite some time. And the picture that goes along with this story, I don't know if it's like a post-workout white side or anything like this, but you've got to see it. Like, I have... I've never seen Whiteside's face like this. Like the, the, it's it's almost like they shove the camera right in his face after the workout, and he looks like a zombified version of himself. His nose is swollen, his eyes are half flitted. He looks like a mutated version of Hassan Whiteside. It is what? It, it, it is frightening. Yeah, to go you've got to see this thing. I'm not <laughs> kidding. It, it is it is terrifying. Like I don't know what's going on. Somebody, I think, front of the program, Haley O'Shaughnessy. I think she said it looked like a. Uh, what's his name? Will Smith from Hitch after he gets the allergic reaction or something like that. It's a <laughs> terrible movie. But that's exactly, and they, they put, did a side by side, and sure enough, that's exactly what it looks like. He looks like he's he needs like a, a great big do- dose of Sudafed in order to reduce the swelling. It's, it's scary. I have to go find that. Um, well, other than trying to make that picture delete, then Whiteside's resolution. I could have went with just setting better screens. But we've talked about that so much at Nazan on this show that I didn't want to do that. So I've got pass the ball in the flow of the offense. There you go. You know, there's there's so many times where the play just stalls as soon as Whiteside gets the ball. And it's the same play that we've, you know, it's the same set. It's the same motion. It's the same play that we see when Whiteside's out, you know, when Bam Adebayo's in there or Kelly Olenek is in there. And it's the same set. And Bam and, and Olenek will keep the ball moving, and you can kind of see the end result of the play. But it's, but in that same set, Whiteside will get the ball, and the play just stops. And they'll just hoist up a dumb mid-range shot or hold the ball too long and then just end up giving it off in a dribble handoff like he's looking for a shot first before he decides to just give the ball away. He needs to pass the ball specifically within the flow of the offense because they are being less willing to uh, just post him up immediately, right? So, look, after he did take a, st- a small step forward in passing the ball last season, which is, you know, doesn't say much given where he started, but he did take he did pass the ball more last season than he did two seasons ago. White- Whiteside this year has regressed back to where he was two seasons ago. He's got a similar assist rate. He's on pace through 16 games played to finish with 30 assists, exactly what he had in 2015-16. So he's taking a step back. He is regressing from passing the ball. That's not a good sign if you're a Son White side. No, not at all. And, and it's funny because you're you're right in line with Winderman's post that I was bringing up there because he makes the exact same point that he's averaging less than one assist per game and that he's just been, I mean, he's just been horrific to be honest with you. Um, and so that's certainly something that we'd like to see because look, offenses around the league have changed so that there's more ball movement, more fluidity, more spacing, and he doesn't provide any of that. He just clogs the lane, holds on the ball for too long. And the offense bogs down, and that's not how Miami can win. Like he needs to be better, and and he just hasn't shown the capacity to make that kind of evolution okay. this year. So I'm concerned, and I wouldn't expect him to make that leap. To be honest with you, well, it's a resolution for him too, because if he wants to get on the floor for more minutes, if he doesn't, if he doesn't want to start losing minutes, he's got to start passing the ball better. 
He's, he just has to move the ball better. And because Bam and Olenek, they do it. And they're just, they're behind him waiting to eat up any of those minutes that he's not going to be uh, capable of playing. And and the Heat are better off in a lot of ways with Bam or Olenek on the floor than when Whiteside's there. So if he wants to be on the floor for as much as he's used to, he needs to figure it out. That's why I have it down for a resolution for him. Uh, who's your next player resolution? Uh, let's see. My next resolution is for Josh Richardson. And for him, again, uh, I, I've changed my approach a little bit from you nothing quite as specific but from him i i want him to become a household name to me i think that's the next step in richardson's evolution we talked about his confidence so much in establishing himself understanding his role clearly now in year three of his of his uh uh, nba career and i think the next step for him is is kind of developing a little bit even more confidence Like, like we've seen it recently in the way he's shooting the ball the way he's played defense that's the defensive effort, I think, is is really just that. It's it's mostly about, you know, extending that extra of you know amount of will in order to prevent a clear shot, to use that length that he has uh, to to block a shot, et cetera. The offense, though, is where we've seen the the, the better, con- you know, as far as the better example of overconfidence or developing confidence, you know, pulling up for mid range, feeling the comfort and the rhythm, um, and he's just much more. I don't know. He just he just feels looser. It looks looser out there from him. And so for him, I think I want him to become a household name. Like right now, everybody kind of you know the problem with him, and I think a lot of things that we talked about in the off season was you know the rook one, rook two comparisons. Um, you know their names will be linked. I think throughout their whole NBA career, unless either Winslow or Richardson wind up signing elsewhere at some point. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I think you associate. Winslow's issues offensively with some of the concerns about Richardson, although they're very vastly different players. Uh, and, and of course, different people. They just happen to be good friends and happen to have been drafted in the same class. But I think he needs to separate himself from the, the stench of Winslow's bad offense, if you will, yeah. and kind of create a name for himself. And that extends into ha- having people around the country recognize the kind of impact. Look, there was a great piece from Rob Mahoney of uh, S-Size, the crossover today uh, on on how the Heat are making do, and then his comments about Richardson, it's just like, oh, you know, he's he's doing what he can, you know, like he acknowledges that this is probably more than what we expected out of Richardson, and you're right, I mean, he has probably exceeded the expectations of a second round pick, but you and I have been lauding his abilities for quite some time that we've expected him to make that leap. Now it's up to him to continue building on what we've seen in the first part of the season and to make himself a household name across the country. I'm glad you mentioned that piece by Mahoney because he also mentioned that, you know, given Richardson's skill set, he projects as a 3-and-D kind of player, but he's averaging in the last 10 games like 17 points a game. And uh, he's become the go-to guy on a Heat team that was without Waiters, without Dragic, without Whiteside. He was the go-to guy for a lot of games um, when those guys were hurt. And that's kind of kind of that's that's sort of flying in the face of that three and D projection, right? That that's not, you know, almost eighteen points a game is not what a three and D player does. Almost eighteen points per game is what you know a a, a scorer would do. Um, and Richardson is still young; he's just entering his prime. And if you and I have talked a lot about how he's more than just a catch and shoot guy now, he's cut, he's playing off the dribble, he's creating for teammates, he's got a more well-rounded offensive game. His defense, as Mahoney said in that piece, and if you and I have been talking about for a couple of years now, is all NBA level. I mean, it is there. I He he hounds Steph Curry better than anybody has the last couple of years. It's, he is already an all NBA level 
defender. I don't know if he'll get named to the team because a lot of politics and, and you know team success gets gets involved in that. But he is at that level, and offensively, he's come. He he's just getting better and better. He's he he has the capabilities of something more than a three and D guy because he could do stuff with the ball in his hands. He could play point guard. He could play two. He could play the three. Um, you know, he's been he's versatile offensively. And and so I think maybe that next step is becoming a household whole name. Like I said before, Miami's ceiling is not. It used to be like, okay, what? How good can Whiteside be? How good can Winslow be? They they were almost in charge of Miami's ceiling. I really think the more realistic ceiling, the, the roof raiser, so to speak, is Josh Richardson. You know that at this point he is in charge of raising the roof for the Heat. So. Um, that I'm was curious. Yeah. You know, I, I hate, yeah, I hate to make the comparison again that I just said we shouldn't make. But would you be okay? Do you think Heat fans in general would be okay seeing Richardson excel even if Winslow never quite reaches the expectations that a lot of people place on him for being an early battery pick? I think I'm going to answer this this way. I think Richardson's development makes Winslow expendable for the right price. It pains me to say this because I would love to have both of them on the same roster because absolutely Winslow's 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 bigger. They they're not redundant of each other. They're just both really excellent wing defenders. And if Winslow can ever get his offensive game sort of going and stay healthy, you know, um, then I think they could be a really great wing tandem. But if you have one young guy who is an elite defender and can do a lot of things offensively. For the right price, I think Winslow becomes more expendable. I'd, I'm not saying that the Heat would shop him, but I think Winslow becomes expendable now. At least, you know, the Heat don't have a lot of draft. They have basically zero draft picks. Um, having Richardson develop is just is huge for this team. I mean, we talk about what they're able to do with guys like James Johnson and Waiters and Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson, just kind of like digging these up, these guys up from the fringes of the NBA and making them into you know, serviceable NBA players. Richardson has the raw talent to be more than serviceable. You know, that's Tyler Johnson's knock is that he's probably as good as he'll ever be right now. Um, Josh Richardson's best basketball is still theoretically in front of him, and he could get. I mean, we've seen second-round picks lately turn into all-stars. I mean, Chandler Parsons, before his injuries, we always forget him when we talk about second-round picks. He was an all-star wing player, Uh, uh, an elite, uh, not an elite, but a 20-points-per-game scorer, or capable of that before all these injuries that derailed his career. I mean, there's a reason he's gotten all the money he has. So Richardson can get there. I think Richardson can absolutely get there. Uh, I don't know what a ceiling is, and I don't want to. I don't want to put a ceiling on it. I just kind of. I'm enjoying watching this development. Absolutely. Who do you get next? Oh, it's my turn. So I've got James Johnson next. Um, all right, cool. And for his resolution, look, James Johnson's been excellent this season. I'd want him to stay a little bit more healthy, uh, but that'll come. Um, I want him to turn the ball over less. Uh, look, mm. Johnson, he's second on the team in turnovers per 100 possessions with 4.4. That's more than Dragic. That's more than Waiters. It's more than Richardson. Um, the reason I list them is those are Miami's other lead ball handlers along with James Johnson. So he's averaging more turnovers per 100 possessions than any of those other guys. He is tops on the team in assists per 100 possessions. So the, the ratio is good enough. Uh, I would just, for him to take, for him to... To really take that next step forward as far as being a point forward, I he just needs to be a little bit more careful with the ball. It seems too often that sometimes he's a little reckless. Um, he drives maybe when it's not the best time to drive into traffic. 
uh, where there is somebody else that's open. Just be a little bit more careful with the ball, James Johnson. That's my resolution for you. How are I'm looking him up right now because I actually don't know. How are have you looked up his splits? Because I feel like so many of those turnovers came like at the start of the year when he was having problems. I'm kind of adjusting to his role. And it I does seem like he's taken few. He's committing fewer turnovers lately than he has at the start of the year. That's true. So maybe he is. Like he, maybe he is getting better. Yeah, he, he played six games in October and had 18 turnovers. So that's three per. Right. Yeah. That's pretty basic math. In November, he played 14 games, had just 33 turnovers. So if he had had that same average he did in October, you know, and it's the start of the season. Everybody's a little shaky or whatnot, but it would have been 42 as opposed to 30, 33. So I think we could say that there's been an improvement. In December, he's played nine games, had just 17 turnovers, so less than two per game. So he's he's trimmed it somewhat, and Good. I think we're going to start to see his numbers continue to improve throughout the year. At least, you know, again, once he's healthy, once he understands his role, once he, if he's able to slide back into the role and, and the level at which he was playing before the injury, we anticipate that those uh, – turnovers will continue to decrease yeah and if and and if Spolster continues with this two big lineup of Olenek and Whiteside then coming off the bench that's going to be even more important is because just like last year when he's coming off the bench he's sort of leading that second unit offense um, as opposed to just being an ancillary ball handler in that starting unit uh, who is your next yeah. player for resolutions well it's only fitting that we go with the other Johnson brother then and that's Tyler obviously and for my resolution for him it's to do something that's probably impossible and that's make us forget about the contract um you know one of the overarching themes when it comes to our discussions of tyler has always been his clear ceiling if you look at richardson as a guy who may not have a clear ceiling right now i think tyler's is pretty clear and that he's probably just going to be a very good reserve for the rest of his career even as he starts the occasional game mostly because he's overachieving despite the limitations of his body. Like, he's not that big. He's super athletic. I don't know how he gets up to block those shots. I don't know how, how he gets up there to finish those dunks, but he does. Uh, he seems like he just wills himself to execute those kinds of plays that I'm not sure how, how he does physically. Like, like he, we stood next to him. He's not that tall. Uh, I, he, you know, he weighs like a buck 40 on a good day or soaking wet, as they like to say. I don't understand how he does the things that he does, but other than through supreme effort on his part. And, of course, there's always the looming shadow of the contract kind of hovering over him. And, you know, the fact that he's going to get paid almost $20 million next year or the following year, whether it's by Miami or anywhere else. But if he stays with the Heat, I'd like him to continue to play his role as well as he does and still have some of those moments that we talked about in our most recent podcast when we were looking at, you know, the MVP rankings for this team. Like, we need him to have bigger plays like there have been moments throughout the past couple years where we even talked about the possibility of Tyler emerging as the team's closer after Dwayne Wade left like we saw moments from him where he would hit big shots or hit free throws or get to the line or do something where he created those moments I haven't seen enough of that from him this year just the kind of steady you know production that we expect from somebody of his limited ability uh and and to just you know, take it to that next level. I want to see a big play from him so that we just go, you know what? I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about how much money he's going to get paid. I just want him on my team because of his overall effort and the fact that he does always come through in those clutch moments. I haven't seen enough of that. And so that's what I want from him. And my resolution for Heat fans, maybe listening to the show, is 
let's not talk about that contract as much. It's signed. It is what it is. It's not going to be a good contract. It's not. I mean, he is not going to be worth $19, $20 million a year over the next two years. But he did outperform his contract in the first two years of that deal. So they 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 are paying for what they are paying for the production that they've gotten from Tyler Johnson in these last two years because he has been underpaid so far in his career. Um, you know he hasn't seen much can of a million the, dollar contract I, yet. Yeah, let me add something to that. Yeah, in theoretical trades, no one's taking Tyler Johnson. Yeah, yeah, that's where I wanted to go let's, with this. So let's stop with my, that. my like, other we're ask. Not, my we're other not going to apply. Yeah. We're not going to be able to get Jimmy Butler or Paul right. George for Tyler Johnson. That's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, stop sending those trade requests in. Um, it's going to be, it, <laughs> look, it, my my. This is the situation: how you get off a Tyler Johnson contract is you attach a draft pick with him. But guess what? The Heat don't have any, so there is no trading. You know, Timothy Mozgov and a first round pick or whatever it was to to wherever he went. I don't even <laughs> to the, the Lakers or whatever the Nets. The Nets, sorry, yeah. from the Lakers to the Nets. Um, there is there is none of that because the Heat don't have the pick. So I'll ask you this, Heat fans who want to trade Tyler Johnson every single day. Are you comfortable trading Tyler Johnson by attaching Justice Winslow or Bam Adebayo to him? Because that's what it's going to take. Mm. And, and Yeah, probably Bam and, more than, than Winslow. At this point, yes, absolutely. And the other part of that is, look, it, by clearing $19 million, almost $20 million next year, the Heat don't get $20 million of cap space. They don't get max player cap space. That will only result... They're already over the cap. With or without Tyler... Like, with, they're already over the cap. Trading Tyler Johnson will only result in about $6 million of cap space next year. Is it worth it, then? Are you, is it worth to get $6 million in cap space, which is basically just a, a, maybe a 13th, 14th man on a roster... With the cap spike recently, um, is it worth that to to lose somebody like Bam or, or Winslow? I don't think it is. And for the Heat to have any cap space, they probably have to trade either Whiteside or Tyler Johnson, Miami's two highest paid players next year, or or and I should say one of those two and maybe two other deals. It would that's what it would get. That's how you get there. That would include maybe a Dion Waiters. Um, and and uh, you know another another type of player like that. So it's just not worth it. The Tyler Johnson co- trade talks need to stop. So all right, who's your next? Oh, that was yours. So my next one is Justice Winslow. And my resolution for him is to take more threes. All right, let's hear it. Um, I just wanted to take more three pointers. Uh, look, he's he's averaging one and a half threes per game, um, which is right about where he's been for his whole career. But that's the lowest three point attempt rate uh, for his career. Right, so just given the ratio of shots he takes versus how many of those are three pointers, it's the lowest rate of his career. But he's shooting, he's shooting them at a career high, thirty nine percent. There's a lot of times where I think Winslow is kind of like a rhythm guy. He's a feel guy, and that's I, I just because because I think that three point shot has caused so much anxiety for him. Um, yeah. I I want I'm just telling you, Winslow, as your resolution, let loose. Don't let the anxiety be there. Every any open three is a good three. You're shooting them at a 39% clip now. Given it's a, at 1.5 attempts per game, it's a low volume, but you're shooting them at a good clip. Your form looks good. The stroke looks good. Open up your game. Shoot those shoot yeah. those threes, man, because you've got it. And if you're never going, and if you don't think you got it, you're never going to get it unless you shoot it. So shoot it. Yeah, uh, you're you're spot on, man. Because I had to be honest with you, like I was. When I, I had thought I was going to be doing Winslow, and as you accurately pointed out, that that was actually a play that you were going to write a resolution for. My, my resolution 
solution for him was to the, to follow the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid. You know, <laughs> it's just like for him, he just seems like he's so bogged down and overthinking this. And and you know, one of the things that keeps like I keep seeing is that we assume that because these guys are in the NBA that they've got it all figured out, that they have somehow managed to claw their way out of whatever their respective backgrounds are to to make it through AAU teams and high school and their one year in college and that somehow they're going to get into the NBA and that's it. There's no pressure, no no overthinking things and, and that's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. There are guys out there from Aaron Gordon to Jalen Brown to a number of others who simply think too much and that's a problem for them. They, they just And I think Justice Winslow fits into that same category. You know, I think he's a smart kid. I think he gave it's too much in his head sometimes and he doesn't know how to let go and he just he doesn't have any fun out there and one of the things as a lot of listeners our longest time listeners will remember is that i thought he might turn out to be a bust because <laughs> i just didn't see him playing with any kind of a joie de vivre as uh, the french like to say no joy out there you know and I, I want him to be able to relax and man like you said let it fly dude you're out there you're you, who who cares if you knock down three of them, you know, per game? Nobody's going to yank the, the the yank you off the floor for for shooting too much. Go out there, have fun. Don't overthink things. And I know that's easier said than done, but you kind of have to take those steps in the right direction. And I wonder if he has to undergo anything like like these guys who you know, like both Brown and Gordon, whom I mentioned, they both like meditate before games and they all think about uh what is it staying focused and in the moment. And, and I wonder if for Winslow, every time he shoots the ball, I wonder if he's thinking about all the times he's missed those shots yeah. and so he just needs to kind of relax i think maybe maybe you're right maybe he should join tyler johnson in some meditation practices uh so does tyler meditate yeah tyler johnson meditates tyler johnson meditates yeah, i think that was in the sun sentinel before the, i want to i want to i hope i'm referencing the right article the right publication yeah before the season he meditates this year started meditating love that about tyler johnson wow yeah yeah me too i have no idea yeah man yeah, yeah so yeah, they, you know i'm I'm also hoping the league will legalize marijuana so everybody can just smoke a joint and relax or something like that's that. What, maybe that's what Winslow needs. <laughs> just, it's a, I wouldn't go – I mean he's not, he's not legally old enough to drink, so just light up. Right, exactly. Um, or is he, is, is he 21 now? Actually, he is 21, right? Is he 21 now? I thought he was still 20. Isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. We should probably I think he's okay. We should as, as the leading experts in all things heat-related. Yeah, I haven't been paying attention to whether or not I could buy Justice Winslow beer or not. Um, what's your, who's your next, uh, player? Oh, oh before we me, go on, before we go Cal- on, sorry. Uh, the yes, one thing I wanted please. to say about Winslow is in this new rotation, right? If it is indeed a new rotation, we've yet to see if, how, how much Spolster will stick with it or if it'll stick with it, uh, or for how long there is going to be a log jam in the front court. And if Winslow, when he's healthy, wants to get some minutes, it might come at, a wing position as opposed to playing that small ball four where he was playing for most of the season, which has been, which is probably his best position, but given where, where the heat need help, it's probably not there, but having him play more of a wing position might open up the door for him to start taking more threes as opposed to getting involved in rebounding and and screening. Maybe he's going to be more involved in those sets where he's coming off of screens for threes or something like that. Um, so maybe we'll see more threes. We'll see. Uh, it, we we have yet to see what his role is going to be within this new rotation. Um, so you have Kelly Olynyk next. Winslow, I do. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Winslow turns twenty two next March twenty six, okay. just in time for the ancient Babylonian New Year. So um, <laughs> for Kelly Olynyk, uh, my resolution for him is to treat every team like the Boston Celtics. 
<laughs> I, I I want him to go out there and treat 29 other teams, 28 other teams, because obviously he still carries a grunge against the Celtics. But um, just 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 go out there and abuse them the way he did against Boston a couple couple nights ago. Like that's a version of Kelly that we just don't see regularly enough. Like maybe maybe he'll flip that switch in the playoffs when he understands that there's more at stake here. But I, I want to see him be aggressive. And this is you know this was the knock from Boston fans and writers on his way out of the Celtics door is that, you know, he was inconsistent, that they love those flashes. You know, obviously in Boston, he's white, he's tall. They're going to appreciate him regardless, but they also bemoan his lack of consistency. And I, and I think we've seen that as well. Look, he's been excellent. I think he's exceeded what we expected of him. Uh, you know, he's lived up to his contract, if not exceeded those expectations as well. And, and I think he's been really, really good, but I want to see him be great. Like, like we're, Talking about a guy who's nearly seven feet tall, can defend in a number of positions, knows how to slide his feet well when, when, when prompted to do so, can create for others on offense, can space the floor but almost as good as anybody else on the roster, uh, can get to the rim using his height. He's not the most mobile, perhaps. He's not the most flexible, but he's de- definitely good enough at 6'11", and he provides versatility out of that position that <laughs> we haven't seen since Chris Bosh. Um, and, and I... I think that's something that we can expect from him. Like maybe, maybe it's too much to hope that he t- turns into Bosch, obviously. But I can, I think we could see him be the grungier, wider version of Bosch <laughs> 2.0, perhaps. And I think that's what we want. We want him to do that on a consistent basis, and uh, and that's my expectation for him. My hope for him is to just go out there with that same kind of anger and purity of purpose that we saw against the Celtics a couple weeks ago. Well, if he does that, if he if he is able to do that, um, he should be the starting center on that team. Not the starting, not the starting power forward, the starting center. Um, yeah. All right. My next one is my last one. Is Bam Adebayo. So, what I have for his resolution is to be more aggressive with his shot. Um, if he's going to get more minutes with Whiteside healthy, he might need to play some at power forward. And if that's the case, he should be willing to show off that perimeter game that we know or and that we saw during summer league. Um, look, I've some stats. He's only taken. One three pointer in twenty five games, um, and that was a heave as time expired. That doesn't count, right? That's yeah. one of those. Yeah. Um, of his one hundred and seven shots this season, ninety five of them have come from the restricted area of the paint, and that's fine. He's only taken twelve jump shots all season, but he's shooting forty eight percent on them. He's five of eleven on mid range jumpers, forty five and a half percent. The shot is there when he chooses to take it, and maybe that that that. Uh, those stats, that 45.5% on mid-range jumpers, is a reflection of not only his shooting ability, but also his shot, his decision-making, his shot selection. You know, he's only taking good ones when he's feeling it. Um, and I don't want him to start becoming Hassan, Hassan Whiteside out there taking dumb shots, but I want right. him to show it off a little bit. Like, I want him to take a three. You know, he has yet to take a, a real three in his NBA career. He didn't take one in summer league. He didn't take one. He hasn't taken one in the NBA, really, um, other than that heave. But I think he's got it, and I want him to maybe you know if he doesn't want to go you know stretch out that far, take more mid range jumpers. There's a there are a number of times when he is open, and yes. and if the heat and and but and he moves the ball really well. Again, I don't want him to turn into Whiteside because if Whiteside has even a sliver of daylight, he's hoisting up a shot. <laughs> um, but be more there. There is a balance, right? There's a balance between making. There's sometimes there is a situation where taking that shot is the right play, and I want him to take more of those shots because sometimes he really just passes it up to give it to a, a covered teammate or something like that. He should be more aggressive with it. 
Yeah, I agree. Listen, the, the, the Heat are rolling into Orlando on Saturday. So depending on when you listen to this, they may already be in town or not. I'm going to ask out of buy why he hasn't shot more. I don't think – I don't know if anybody has. Maybe it's just some uh, something yeah. that nobody's wanting to reach with him. But I'm, I'm just curious because maybe he's scared of, of, of hurting the team. Um, but you're right. He sets these great screens, right? And then, you know, sometimes he has the ball in his hands. And he's looking to unload it almost as quickly after he gets some space there. Yeah. And he has the kind of room to just to, to let go. Turning that into a pick and pop would be huge for this offense. Oh my god! Yeah, it would absolutely work. I think um, you know it, it's uh, an added dynamic to the team. Flows everything. It helps everything flow better. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Maybe it's not ideal if he could space it out from three point range. That would be even better. But for now, you know, baby steps. Let's just get into that comfort zone and continue to expand more and more on that shot. You know, we we. Look, we've seen him, even as the shot clock is winding down, kind of stuck with the ball and then wondering who to pass it to, where to turn. It's like, no, no, you're more than capable of creating your own shot. You've got an incredible handle at your your size. You've got the speed and strength to get to the rim at will. Uh, And and, and you know what? You you have enough. I think he's got enough moves where he can probably create his own shot. Like, I haven't seen him take, like, a a turnaround jump or anything that shows any kind of nifty footwork around the... He had, one, he had there. one step back, which was nice. Um, he took a step by step back jumper. I think it was in the regular season. He had a couple of turnaround jumpers in summer league. One, you know, I just yeah. If if it wasn't if if he were a second round pick or a late first, I wouldn't be asking any of this. But this is a lottery pick. You know, he was the last pick of the lottery, but he's a lottery pick. And the Heat took him there for a reason. And I'm sure if they really wanted him to take more threes or more or just more jumpers in general, he would. Maybe it is something that Spolster is just tentative to to kind of open up. But he's never Spolster's never been kind of a guy to limit his players. So I do wonder, you know, we saw with James Johnson, for example, he was like, you know, just go do what go be a playmaker. You want to be a playmaker, go be a playmaker. If Bam wants to take more jumpers, I'm sure he'd be he that I'm sure Spolster would allow it. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you to get to the bottom of that. So, uh, who's your last one? Well, you know, as, as most uh, of our listeners have probably surmised, my last New Year resolution is none other for Wayne Beef Ellington. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is, he's been so good this season. And, uh, you know, I saw some talk on the, on the Twitter timeline there about potentially trading him now when his value might be at its highest. There's only a few months oh, left of his contract. Yeah, he's shooting so well. But my resolution for him is, hey, man, remember who gave you your shot. And, and kind of tying in a little bit to to Dion Waiters, you know, kind of remembering your background. Like, Ellington's career has been the definition of journeyman. Like, he's played for so many teams. I had no – I can't even remember he had played for the Lakers at one point. I mean, he's he's been all over the place and, and never been able to really find a home. And this team has made him – and Eric Spolstra has given him the opportunity to look like – not an all all star, but let's say a really really excellent role player. Uh, you know, for him to take the next step in his evolution as a defender, uh, and, and of course as a capable three, you know three point shooter, he's just been he's excelled in that role, and I think it's one that Miami has carved out for him. So, as his contract winds down at the end of the season, as he continues to make plays, just remember that you're doing this because the Heat have given you the opportunity to do so and continue to make the most of that opportunity because. We're going to need big games from him down a stretch. Look, this yeah. is going to be a very tightly contested race for the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And Ellington's already shown the ability to kind of shoot us in and out of games at times. And and we need him to be a much better, more consistent version of the player that he, he you know he has been 
over the last year and a half. Uh, you know, he's been really, really good on occasion, not so good on others. I'd like him to stay more along, more even keeled and just be productive you know, as often as possible because, uh, you know, look, he is playing for a contract. He is playing now yeah. to show Miami that he's worth any kind of money they might be willing to throw at him. And uh, if it's not Miami, then elsewhere. But you know, back in his mind, just remember who gave you that chance because I don't know that any other, I don't know that any other team would have done so. Like like Miami probably threw more money at him than most teams were willing to offer, and I think most people kind of bemoaned that or, or kind of chided Miami for that decision a couple of seasons ago. Obviously, it's paid off, um, and, and I think he's certainly living up to the the, the terms of those that deal. So I, I wonder if you know how that'll affect his decision making process and free agency, and and I hope. I, I don't know. I think I speak for you as well that we hope that Miami keeps yeah. him. Maybe if they're able to prize something, look, if the if the season goes down the drain over the next you know three months and we don't expect that it will, and they have to make a move in order to build for the future, sure, I guess at that point you trade Ellington. But for now, it looks like Miami's going to be in contention for most of the next few months, and, and you need a guy like Ellington to play at his best. You could probably get a late first for Ellington right now for a for a team that's going to the playoffs. Point, I mean, yeah, the Cavaliers got a late first for Kyle Korver. Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I think Washington, Milwaukee. Cleveland could use Ellington. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teams that could use Ellington. Um, look, I, I think I think the Heat would rather have Ellington on that Deion Waiters contract right now than Deion Waiters. You know what I mean? Uh, if you could just kind of trade there, if you could kind of pink slip trade their contracts, I think they'd do it. Um, but that's not the case, and. Uh, but Ellington has been as important as anybody to this Heat offense so far. Um, you know, we, we we he was extremely high in our Heat player power rankings that we did earlier this week, and and if I had, if I had Ellington as my for my resolution, I'd have him. You know, he's taking six point six three point attempts per game. That's a career high for him. I want him averaging nine. I want him averaging ten. Like just keep shooting, and he has been for the last ten games. We went over this. Uh, and I, and like, I think the first podcast of the week, we talked, we analyzed the last 10 games and a big difference in those last 10 games is Ellington has just been on fire and he's been shooting like 10, 10, three pointers a game. Let's keep that up. Just let it fly. Keep, keep the three pointers coming. Um, those are all our players, right? Yeah. yeah. We did all of them. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, the, the resolution for guys like you Haslam and Jordan Mickey is to make the most of whatever scarce minutes you get for, for yeah. Mickey. I think he's done that. Uh, you know, Haslam obviously is limited at what he can do and how much he can contribute, but uh, you know, he's, he's he's always going to be UD in our hearts, and, and we appreciate everything he does. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. Have a happy New Year. Be safe out there. Don't do don't make dumb decisions so that you can make sure that you're listening to the show next year. Our resolution our resolution for you is that you if you haven't subscribed, make sure that you're subscribed. It's a very easy resolution. It could be the first resolution you knock off of your resolutions list. Uh, you could send mailbag questions for next week and inquire about advertising on the show by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. The Free Talk Friday theme song is by CeeLo Keys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. Happy New Year, Wes. Happy New Year. <laughs>